0: Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Hey, we're in the Book of Acts, but not for much longer. This is most likely the last, uh, last uh, sermon today in the Book of Acts. Because next week we're moving into uh, the prayer and self-denial, which happens once a year to raise uh, awareness, prayer, and uh, finances for our missionaries. So hey, this is the um, the sort of a tipping point, the climax to me, for me anyway, in the book of Acts, it's in Acts 10, and Acts 10 verse 15 says, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. I'll say it again, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this clearly understood voice of the Lord to Peter in verse 15 spells a whole new beginning, I believe, for Peter and the newly formed church. Have you ever had a word uh, or a statement spoken over you that was just so powerful that you couldn't shake it? Has the Lord ever sort of prompted something so strongly in you that you've just felt you've got to got to act? I believe I have. Um, won't go there now. Apart from a uh, an attention, a few contacts, and the travellers that were coming in and out of Israel and and the neighbouring Samaritans coming and going. Up to this point, most of the transformed apostles' attention had gone into spreading the news. Uh, about the resurrected Christ in and around Jerusalem and in the synagogues. It's where most of their attention had gone up till chapter 10. But God had a much bigger plan, He had a much bigger picture in mind for His church and for His followers. And so He reveals the key to it in this truly amazing account in Acts 10. And it's so good, we're going to read quite a bit of Acts 10. We're going to have to cut back on a few things, but I'm just going to read from Acts 10 verse 1. If you want to follow it along, I'm in Jenny's Bible. No, the new new IV, NIV. Okay, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. That's significant. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So now... We go over to Peter's house. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, replied Peter. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And verse 16 says this happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. We're going to jump down to verse 23. The next day Peter started out with them, these men that had come. And soon the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. And then there's quite a lot of dialogue, and his friends hear the message And receive it. And we're going to read from verse 44: while Peter was still speaking these words to them, the Holy Spirit came on all who had heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Wow. Wow. Who's challenged by this scripture? there's so much in there for our world today I believe you know with all the tensions and value systems at stake Peter's whole value system and his worldview had been forged you see by the Old Testament writers uh, by this um, standard set by his family his Fano and and teachers and by the legacy left by previous generations of Jewish forefathers. So that's what had that's what had formed Peter's worldview. The law of Moses was so entrenched in Jewish society that every child was taught, taught it from birth, along with who they were, where they'd come from, their story, from what they you know, from what was expected of them as the chosen ones. This was Peter's entrenched worldview. You see, the law and the prophets formed such a deep foundation of belief and behaviour that even the fact that they'd sort of hung out with Jesus for for three years, eating with him, ministering with him, travelling with Jesus, uh, that wasn't enough to shake certain cultural strongholds that remained in their thinking Peter witnessed the healing of the Centurion's servant in Luke 7 1 to 10. he saw Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman at the well in John 4:27 and he saw Jesus casting out a demon from a Greek woman's child because of her faith you remember when she said even the crumbs of the table you know Fall down and we can get those. And so he'd seen these things. Peter had been there with Jesus and he'd seen him ministering to foreigners. But the penny sort of hadn't dropped. And these Jesus encounters were like a deposit, really. They were just sort of like this foretaste of how God wanted to reach the whole world. And Jesus knew his mission field was primarily the house of Israel but in Acts 10, we see that the Lord directly speaks to Peter and gives a kind of visual aid uh, through a trance to change Peter's worldview. We sort of had a visual aid, aid a little bit jacked up, but we're going to leave that, I think, time-wise. Um, it was probably a little bit lame, but something we could remember. <laughs> 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 On the... Aid. There was going to be a few things that we sort of struggle with, maybe. But the law and the prophets formed such, you know, that, that formed this deep-seated thing within, within Peter. Was it flawed? Was the foundation of the law flawed? Absolutely not. So before we unwrap our... The Lord wanted Peter and and I believe us as well to respond to a new season. We need to learn to value the foundation laid out in the old covenant. You see, it's very important for us um, that we understand the value and the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. The word covenant really... And the word testament are sort of almost interchangeable. So the Old Testament, New Testament. The word, you know, the, this, this whole covenant was the foundation, it was laid down first. God made a binding covenant with his people through Abraham, based on Abraham's faith and obedience. And this is important. Why? Flawed as he was, Abraham. Uh, Abraham found favor with God. And through Abraham, um, he promised descendants and blessings beyond measure. Fast forward 400 years or so, and his people are locked in slavery in Egypt, needing a miracle deliverance, but still they held on to hope of their God coming through. 400 years of waiting. You know, some of us struggle with four days, don't we? Or four hours or four minutes of of struggle. You know, is that your situation today? I just want to say, just know that tough times do not diminish the promises of God. Okay? Tough times do not diminish the promises of God. Let's remember that in these kind of crazy days we talked about earlier about coming into elections and this sort of mid-COVID world. Um, God has not abandoned his purposes and his plans or forgotten one of your dreams. Just remember that. Even when it looks dark and not much hope, God is faithful to perform his promises. So God organises for Moses to be born to Hebrew parents. But he also organises for him to have a royal upbringing. Another story. Notice that he needed one of his own to rescue his people without slave mentality. That's important. Moses needed to be both royal In his thinking, but he also needed grassroots humility to lead the people. And despite all the challenges he faced, bringing the people into freedom from slavery, he maintained intimacy with God. You see, God had humbled Moses, and yet he never forgot that royal thinking as well. It's what gave him leadership ability. So God used this man and he brought laws to the people through Moses because law was all they knew. Now this is important. And freedom without law leads to excess. You see, God is a relatable God. He wanted to relate to his people. They were slaves. All they knew was doing what you were told, even going to the toilet. You know, they couldn't even do that without permission. God is a relatable God. He brought the law to his people to give them this rock-solid foundation. See, God never changes. Hebrews 13, verse 8. But he's a relational God who knows just how to relate to every one of us, I believe. And he related to the children of Israel through clear instructions for post-slavery living. Secondly, he's always doing new things. God says in Isaiah 43 verse 19, he says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wilderness. Yeah. These three things, these three things, God's unchangeable character, his ability to relate to people, where they're at, and his desire to bring about new seasons and new things are the very foundation of Acts 10. So we've got all this, this foundation, this history, this... All has gone before for, for Peter that he stands on and hears God saying, "Eat, eat these things." And he's challenged. But in this trance, he knows that it's, it's God. It's a God thing. See, God was not acting out of character when he asked Peter to eat unholy things. He was simply wanting Peter to relate to new cultures and a new season and to redefine, in fact, what holy was, what holy meant, what he thought was holy now. Was God altering what the law required? Not at all, because he'd already fulfilled it in Jesus. Amen? So the law was not the problem. It was us not being able to fulfill it, and he knew that, so he sent Jesus to fulfill the law 100% where no one else could, and that's what we celebrated here around the Lord's table this morning in communion. We celebrated that there is but one who could take our place on that cross, And make that beautiful exchange where we exchange our unrighteousness for his perfect righteousness. Is anybody excited about this? Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) I am. Peter was in Christ. Therefore, he was free now to speak to, eat with, and reach out to Cornelius. And in fact, to any Gentile. He was now free from all that, that stuff because Christ now had fulfilled 100% the law and brings freedom to us to eat these things. So what about us? What about us? Do we sometimes throw out the baby with the bathwater? What a a saying, eh? (laughs) Who'd ever do that? (laughs) Um, I did it once. No, just kidding. (laughs) When we refuse to recognize a new season, uh, you know, sometimes we hold on so tightly to things that we miss the spirits prompting, don't we, to start something new or be in a new season. When we... Want to accept another culture or adopt new methods? Are we just throwing out the baby with the bathwater? Here's God bringing this whole new thing to us. And we're saying, no, 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 we don't do that. No, that's, that's old. You know, we, we just don't, don't go there. Well, that's new, I should say. We can't sail on yesterday's wind, can we? Impossible. We need to be in sync, in constant, relationship with the Holy Spirit to know where he's leading. And he's leading us sometimes into new things. So um, we need to know his leading without letting go of that solid foundation. And I think that's wisdom. That's important. We need a, a solid foundation of God's unchanging character and the authority of his word. That doesn't change but we can accept a new season and new things in God through His Holy Spirit. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 18 says, It's good that you grasp one thing and also not let go of the other. For the one who fears God comes forth with both of them. I believe that's we don't let go of our foundation the authority of the word, the solidness of Jesus, but we can walk with a, new, with a new thing that he's doing. We can go with him by the Spirit. Hold on to both the new and the old. You know, when people get fired up to turn the, the world upside down, sometimes we, we get, you know, it's great. It's easy to tame enthusiasm and to stir up apathy, apathy, but sometimes people will come to you with all these ideas of changing the world, um, and that's great. But sometimes the tendency is to ditch all of the traditions and throw them out. You know, there's nothing wrong with sound traditions. I want to just say that. Because they form who we are and they tell our story and help form our story. But the real enemy of change is traditionalism. Big difference. We need to learn the difference between tradition, sound tradition, which is great, stuff that we're built on, that we're all about, and traditionalism, which is where we fear change. And worse still... We resist change. There's a church slogan that read, "Sacred cows make the best beef." <laughs> we need to we need to cull out those sacred cows that are not producing. All the dairy farmers go, "Yeah." All the all the vegetarians go, "Ooh." <laughs> Um, You know, we need to, you know, do do you value the worthy things about your tradition and background, whatever our culture is? Do we value the worthy things about it, value our traditions, value the background before we share God to others, what he's done for us? And to those who are different, you know, I think sometimes we need to to value our own culture before we venture out. But I've said it before, I want to say that we also need to value the culture we're trying to reach before we can ever share the gospel. If you can't say 10 good things about it, then maybe you're not ready to share the best, biggest news ever, the biggest story ever. You see, God removed Peter's Jewish-tinted glasses in order to open the door to cross-cultural mission, not to undo the value of the old covenant, fulfilled in and by Jesus. And the first key that we see in in Peter, sorry, in this story, was that he was praying, and he was open to the Lord when the Lord spoke to him he was positioning himself for the Lord's voice. We need to position ourselves in the Lord through prayer, through reading the word and worship in order to hear the Lord's voice to us today, I, I believe. The second key was that we need to learn just to go and do it, to obey. To do something. Peter started out with them. Verse 23. He started out with them. That means he got up and he went with them. That took obedience. I don't know how far the journey was to Joppa, but he he was willing to do it. You know, the, the, the rudder on a ship does nothing when it's ships tied in at the port. Turn it all you like. Doesn't do a thing. But at sea, that rudder changes the direction of the whole vessel. God can turn a moving life. Do something. Move out. Step out. Do things and he will lead you. He'll turn that rudder and you'll go on the right path. Be open to him. Just stay in in, in the word, in prayer, and just asking him, What next? What next, Lord? What next? Peter started out with them. And our relatable, unchangeable God will meet us at that point, I believe. But he can't direct, redirect us if we're stationary. All right. The final key was that Peter had to accept that God wants to share his good gifts with people that are different that we don't understand, we don't get, and that he will surprise us by working through them in a different way. Verse 47, Surely no one can stand in the way of these people being baptized. You know, sometimes we do stand in the way. But Peter had no professional jealousy. He saw what God was doing. He didn't stand on. No, no, you've got to be baptized first, then receive the Holy Spirit. You know, They just received the Holy Spirit and boom. And so he said, let's baptize them in water. You know, it's cool. New things. Don't have to do it the same way every time. Uh, many years ago, my sister was on a committee, a hall committee, and um, one old bloke got up at a meeting where the big decision had to be made about the future. And uh, he'd helped pour the concrete and built the old hall, you know, one of those guys. And he says, You will tear down this hall over my dead body. <laughs> well, He did pass away one or two years later, and the new hall was built, and you can hardly get a booking now. You have to queue to get a booking because it's so nice. Everyone wants to be there. (laughs) We hadn't been here very long when the phone went at 5 to 10 on a Sunday morning, and Jenny was in the office. don't always get to hear it ringing, but Jenny answered the phone. And the gentleman on the end of the phone wanted to know, do we just use the King James Version at our church? Jenny thought for just a moment and thought, no, we actually don't. So she was honest and she said, no, we, we, we do refer to it. And hey, I've got to say, I check things out with it all the time, but we don't just use the King James Version here. Nothing wrong with it. Well, we just don't just use it here. Okay, thank you. Click. (laughs) You know, are we willing to be open to just those new things that God is doing? Letting go of the old, not saying over my dead body this is, is it important? Let it go. All those things that aren't important. Let's hold on to the things that are, but let's be open to the things of the Spirit. Let's not call unholy what the Lord has made clean. His gospel is for all people. We are saved today because Peter and Paul left the comfort of the familiar to venture into the unpopular and the hard wilderness places for us and brought streams of life as a result. The rest of Acts is just story after story of poor old Paul's shipwrecks and being beaten and driven out of towns and you know flogged for coming back again and again and sharing the gospel and starting churches. And so we... We just want to value that. He did that to break through this them and us thing. That party spirit. I'm not part of their group. Got to break that. He didn't lose his foundation. In fact, Paul said, you know, the law is our tutor. Paul said that. He knew it backwards, forwards and backwards. But he knew that he was nothing without Christ and that he needed the fulfillment that Christ had won to be his righteousness from now. And he said, everything I've done is as rubbish, one version says, in light of the gospel of Christ. Are we willing to go to the wilderness place to bring streams of life to others, be willing to do new things, to venture into uncharted territory and ask, Lord, is this you? Are you in this? Or is this me just going out there? You know, we have to watch that we're not just wanting to do something for the sake of doing it. We want to go with God. Are we willing to go venture out of our comfort zone being humble to open, and open to change in order to bring streams of life. I love that term, streams of life to others. Don't call unholy what the Lord has called clean. Amen. Let's pray. Yes, Father, Father God, we... We owe everything to you through Christ. We stand only in Christ's righteousness before you now, even to pray. So, Lord, we thank you. You've gone before. You've got a plan. You've, um, you've opened the, the doors for us, every door that you have ordained through your Holy Spirit. We pray we would just hear be, be, be running on today's wind, be sailing with today's wind, and Lord, that we would actually not sweat the small stuff. Lord, help us to move out without fear and speak to people, talk to that neighbour, bring that friend who's got a different clothing sense, long hair, short hair, whatever, Lord, we just love people as you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.